We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hello and welcome to Ye Old Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Hi. How's it going? It's going. Yeah. It's been a hot minute since we've recorded a regular episode together. It has. We've had some lovely guests in in the interim, but we haven't had a one-on-one in a minute. This is true. For a variety of reasons, but we won't go into that right now. No. <laughs> I thought, because I didn't really feel like researching a super crazy episode this week, mm-hmm. I thought we would close out September with an unsolved mystery. Ooh, I'm down. We are going to be discussing Koldhara Village. Ooh, definitely haven't heard of it, so it'll be a brand new mystery Woo. to me. All right. Information was pulled from the following sources. A 2023 Ancient Origins article by Lex Lee. 2022 Historic Mysteries article by Kurt Redman. 2020 Insider article by Gabby Shaw. 2018 Outlook Traveler article by Precious Kamei. I hope I said your name right. 2017 All This Interesting article by Chrissy Howard. 2017 Culture Trip article by Poonam Binayak. I hope I said your name right. 2017 Times of India article by Puru, 2016 Gulf News article, Genie.com, The Joshua Project, Rajasthan Tourism, and Tour My India. So I know where where the village Mm -hmm. is. (laughs) And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. Got something you want to say? Shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas, see any gifts you send our way, or if you just want to say hello. We're pretty friendly. Speaking of friendly, if you'd like to have real-time conversations with us, consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby, or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes or over on our link tree to get started today. The village of Koldhara is located in the state of Rajasthan in northwestern India, near the Pakistan border. Okay, so mountainous. Mm -hmm. Originally built in the 13th century, the once thriving village of Koldhara is around 10 miles or 18 kilometers west of the city of Jaisalmir, or the Golden City. Ooh, Mm -hmm. it's a nice city to be next to. Mm-hmm. Kolhara was formerly home to the Palawal Brahmins and was composed of 84 villages that made up the community the Palawals called home. Nice. So it was, is that more of like a, would you call that like a county then? If there were a bunch of villages in it, it acts more like a county? Maybe, yeah. Because that's kind of what it sounds like instead of like a... Yeah, it was like a community, like a little, a cluster. little cluster. The village of Koldhara consisted of temples and 400 homes with intricate and ancient architectural styles, as well as some 1,500 people. 
Nice. Dang. Originally established in 1291 CE, the Paliwals, an ancient Hindu clan of priests, teachers, and physicians, decided to settle in the area after leaving the Pali region of western India where they had begun to be persecuted by other tribes in the Aravalli Mountains and the Delhi Sultanate. Yeah, it's usually why people migrate when they want to get get out of a tense situation. Religious persecution, everybody. We know it well. Yep, yep, let's go. Let's go to the mountains. The Pali Walls had a vast understanding of agriculture and were able to grow and harvest crops in the harshest of environments, even in the dry Thar Desert. So they're like, screw you guys, we can make a nice home anywhere. The Pali Walls would cultivate areas that held stores of gypsum rock, which is a soft mineral beneath the surface that is 20% water. Interesting. They developed the Korean technique to harvest rainwater. So essentially, once the water evaporated, it left an irrigated and fertile soil suitable for growing wheat, chickpeas, and jawar. What's jawar? I don't know. It's just another grain. Yeah, sorghum. Yeah. Additionally, they manually made dam-like structures to store caches of water that they'd use for farming. Smart. The Pollywalls were also excellent traders and used their skills to grow their community and expand upon it for nearly six centuries. That's impressive. Good for them. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a nice community. I don't know why everybody else was so mean to them all the time. Yeah. So far, they sound pretty cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pollywall Brahmins adhere to the traditional four stages of life. The student stage, which is followed by the householder stage. In this stage, getting married, raising a family, and becoming a productive member of society are the primary goals. After their children are married, the spiritual half of their lives begin with reclusiveness and ending with sannyasa, or itinerant homeless wandering. The last part, not a lot of people did anymore. It was kind of more like at the very beginning of the practice, and then people were like, you know... I don't really want to be homeless. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to stay in my house. Yeah. That sounds better. It's just, that sounds like a, a more here. peaceful way to die as opposed to like wandering the countryside. Let me just like wander a, in the desert. Like just wander until you become a ghost. Act like one until you yeah. become one. Yeah, pretty much. What's Lindsay doing? Oh, don't worry about Lindsay. She just likes to wander off into the desert. Mm-hmm. She'll come back. She wants to become a ghost. <laughs> She's practicing her lurking skills. It's the fourth stage. Say no more. Historian Lakshmi Chand wrote a book titled Tavarika Jaisalmir, in which he notes that the first settler of the region was named Kadan, and it was from his name that the village was called Koldhara. Okay. Kadan also excavated a pond named Udanzar, which became the main water supply for the village. Nice. Three cremation grounds have been discovered near the village that include several cenotaphs known as devalis or gravestones. Mm -hmm. And thanks to the inscriptions, we know that at least two of the previous inhabitants passed away in 1235 and 1238 CE. So that gives us, again, that timeline to know that it was an established place in the early 13th century. That's crazy. Here we get to the the mystery. Mm -hmm. 
In August of 1825, one night, all of the inhabitants of Koldhara, again, an estimated 1,500 villagers, just simply vanished with whatever they could carry on their backs. An entire community, 84 villages worth, just gone, with no known reason why. What? (laughs) 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 Like they got raptured? I I don't understand. (laughs) So there are some theories. Some sources believe that the reason revolves around their water supply, Mm -hmm. which would make sense. Yeah, if they're in a desert area. There's one theory that the dwindling water supply forced the villagers to flee, but that wouldn't necessarily cause them to all up and leave one night under the cover of darkness. Like, like, just randomly decide, hey, we're all going to pick up and leave. Right, you would think it would be more, like, staggered over a period of time. Yeah. There is evidence to back up this theory. By 1815, so 10 years prior, most of the wells in the village had actually run dry. Mm. And by the time 1850 rolled around, so 25 years later, only three wells were still functional, one of which being the Great Step Well. That's not good. So like the main well. Yeah. Because if you think about like how, how precious water really is, to Mm -hmm. humans in general not like not even thinking about a climate like a desert that -hmm. would be really scary that would be very scary for 1500 people to not have water Mm -hmm. others believe that the water supply was tainted by invaders who entered the community the Mughals during the celebration of the Hindu holiday Rakshabandhan Rakshabandhan is a holiday celebrated on the full moon of the Hindu month of Shravana, 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 that one, that which one. typically falls <laughs> in July or August. So again, fits the timeline. Yep. That celebrates the love of a brother for his sister and to symbolize the eternal bond between siblings. So it's a special holiday like for siblings. Nice. That's kind of cute. So during this holiday, sisters will tie Rocky or a special bracelet Mm -hmm. on the wrists of their brothers to guard them against evil and pray for their happiness and long life. What do the brothers do? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Just like brothers today. I don't know. I didn't. Okay. I I was like, I thought that was a joke. (laughs) Like, oh, shit. In return for the the Rocky around the brother's wrist. Mm Mm-hmm. And offering prayers for the brothers' well-being and prosperity, brothers give gifts to their sisters as a token of their love and promise to protect them from all adver- adversities. It doesn't really say what the what the gifts would special be. Special gifts, but just special gifts. Well, that's nice though. It's nice that they like reciprocate, because <laughs> that's what I was wondering. Yeah, it's just like yeah. Hey, bro, I love you. And he's like, thanks. <laughs> Only the boys get a special bracelet, and then it's like... And they're like, smell you, you later. Nothing. So during that very touching ceremony yeah. that we that I just discussed in length, mm-hmm. it's believed that during this festival, invaders martyred several polywalls over a number of days before dumping animal carcasses into their communal wells in an effort to force them to leave Koldhara for good. Why? So there was a misconception about the Paliwal Brahmins that because they were so good at cultivating food in the desert, because they were good traders, because 
there was evidence that they were very good at pottery. There was this belief that they were extremely wealthy. What do you do when there's an extremely wealthy, small tribe of people in the middle of the desert? You rob them? You're going to go raid them and take as much of their shit as you can and then poison their water supply. They're not going to be able to drink the water after that, even if they wanted to. Yeah. Well, and and then that makes sense why all of them would flee in one day Mm -hmm. in the dead of night because they they it was a direct threat. So that's one theory. Kind of believe in that one so far. (laughs) The most likely cause and the one that is widely accepted has to do with a ruthless and unfair local ruler. Great. Surprise. In this story, the Devon of Jaiselmir, or the prime minister of the state, Mm -hmm. was a man named Salim Singh, who heavily taxed the inhabitants of Kolthara. Of course. As if that wasn't bad enough, he also had designs on the local chieftain's 16-year-old daughter, demanding her hand in marriage. Great, and I'm sure this guy is like an old creepy fuck. I couldn't find how old he was at the time that this supposedly happened, but I'm assuming he was old enough to know better. Well, absolutely. If he's leading anything, he's old enough to know better. Yeah. And the penalty for their refusal would be that their already high taxes would become even higher, and they had two days to decide what they were going to do. Yeah, so they noped out of there. So to the ultra-conservative polywalls, marrying a woman to a man outside of their clan was a sign of dishonor and disgrace. And that was an act that they refused to allow their chieftain and his daughter to suffer. Well, and who's to say, too, that refusal... I feel in general has in like an undercurrent of like a darker threat. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's going yeah. to get that girl for sure. So, yeah. Especially, I mean, if the, if this culture is already like traumatized from having to constantly move and constantly being persecuted for doing well <laughs> and just mm-hmm. existing, I, yeah. Yep. It makes sense that they'd all be like, nope, we have to protect all. We can't just protect Mm -hmm. one. So unwilling to allow the Devon to have his way, the community collectively decided to leave before the deadline was up, effectively disappearing without a trace on the night of Rakshabandan. But where did they go? Well, and as with stories such as this, they also say that a curse was placed on the land as they left prohibiting anyone from living at Kultara, and anyone who dared to try would find nothing waiting for them but death. Well, you know what? If I was them, (laughs) and I was a bitter Betty, I'd do something messed up to the land, too. Be like, Mm -hmm. go ahead, take it, try. Like, we were the geniuses that figured this out and made our own little Mm -hmm. oasis. You're selfish enough to try to take it. Start over, figure it out yourself. Good luck. You dummies. You dumb, dumb dummies. Some historians believe that some of the Paliwal clans migrated to the northern India state of Uttar Pradesh, where they are practicing Rajputs. So they were, they kind of converted to a different religion. I would assume it'd probably be like similar, like a Lutheran mm. becoming a Methodist. <laughs> yeah. 
kind of a so thing. So it's, it's a similar <laughs> belief system, but like where they could like still they could still probably like secretly practice other things mm-hmm. at home. Yep. So these families in turn continued their nomadic lifestyle, settling in the adjoining states of Uttarakhand and Bihar, where it is noted that there are still some Paliwal within these communities. It's really nice to note that they weren't like completely eviscerated, though. They didn't just be like, okay, we have to assume an entire new, entirely new identity and culture overnight. Yep. So according to historical records, it's highly unlikely that the mass exodus actually took place how it's been portrayed. Yeah. Most people don't do that, especially that large yeah. amount. <laughs> like yeah. 86 villages. <laughs> they don't just be like, okay, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> like, especially yeah. during a time when like that kind of widespread instant communication would mm-hmm. not have happened. Like, no, no forms of, of tubes and tubes and stick <laughs> tubes and rope and be like, Hey, yeah. <laughs> well, and it was a, a festival time. Yeah. You know? If anything, it was probably planned to like, yeah, phase out. Like when you chat with your friends and you're like, "Hey, we're gonna bounce out of this party at the same time," so we're not like, yeah. So some of us aren't stuck here. But it would. I mean, it would make sense that people would just they would have no idea what they did because they were in the desert. So it's not like anybody's like gonna go check on them every now and then, especially if they think they're like mm-hmm. these weird hippies that they don't want to talk to rich hippies that they don't want to talk to right they're probably just like i don't want to go over there they're not going to give me anything so it's more likely that the population of Koldhara dwindled gradually not overnight in the 18th century so the 1700s mm-hmm. the population of the village was estimated around 800 people instead of 1500 people that's a more reasonable number And by 1890, which would have been 65 years after the supposed disappearance of everyone, Mm -hmm. on paper, only 37 people still called Kultara home. So there were still people there. They -hmm. they just pretended that they they didn't live there. Something. I don't know. Weird. At least on paper, they said they lived there. Maybe, Everyone maybe else was like, they disappeared. And then like the, the 40 people were like, well, um, sure. Sure. Just, just leave us alone. Yeah. <laughs> Today, the ghost village is one of India's most haunted locations, mm-hmm. attracting tourists and thrill seekers, though no one has lived there for over 200 years. And the village itself looks almost unchanged by time, utterly abandoned other than by those who visit it to look for spirits. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are much more fruitful places to live in India than that area. And if they, if nobody mm-hmm. has to live there and fight so hard yeah. to make it work, mm-hmm. yeah, it's could be abandoned <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the area is preserved by the Archaeological Survey of India, who view the city as a heritage site with its sandstone gates, homes, and lanes, which were once built of brick, and the temple that rests in the heart of the ruins. That's nice. The now dried riverbed of the Cockney to the east is another reminder that, whether cursed or not, Koldhara no longer has the means to sustain human life. Yeah. It's just, it's not going to happen. 
Nope. Mother Nature said, this is mine again. Beach? Yep. Villagers who live near Koldhara aid the ASI by providing tours during the day, sharing the story of the people who once lived there and their culture. Nice. I bet that's a nice way for them to get some income, too. Probably. I'm sure it's not cheap living that remotely. Mm -mm. This is where things get weird. Great. So (laughs) the ASI close the gates at sunset or 6 p.m. every night and no one is allowed in or to stay after dark as it is believed the supernatural roam at nightfall. So like no one is allowed to be there at night. Okay. So how many Americans have gone in? (laughs) How many Americans have like, how many YouTubers from America have broken in? Yeah. Zach Baggins. (laughs) God. The Indian Paranormal Society spent a night at Koldhara and reported to Gulf News experiencing, quote, disembodied whispers, screams, noises are common at dark hours. Many of our members have witnessed apparitions, heard footsteps, experienced unusual touch, and so on, end quote. Don't like the use of unusual as a descriptor. Yeah, especially when it just involves touching. Yeah, like, like what's unusual about the touch? Is it, like, wet? Is it slithery? Are they touching your no-no zones? Like, what's going on, guys? I just, just picture, like, a ghostly hand on your shoulder. Like, it's just, like, yeah. hey, type of thing. Right? He's like, hey, you got I some sorghum? Like you got sorghum? We like that. Reverend Gaurav Tiwari, the founder of the Indian Paranormal Society. Mm-hmm was quoted by Gulf News as saying, quote, we have collected significant anomalies and evidence to suggest that there is something really going on in Koltara, which cannot be explained by simple scientific theory, end quote. The eerie thing about this is that Tawari died under mysterious circumstances at his home in New Delhi a few weeks after that interview. The ghosts were like, you weren't supposed to tell our secrets, dude. Like... Even before we died. Stop talking about it. We tried to get away from you guys. And you keep coming back. (laughs) So now we're just going to take you out. Yeah. Make it stop. Right. Now we're just going to drag you back with us. Soul and all. Yeah. You know? Prior to his death, Tawari explained that the IPS's goal was to explain the unexplainable at Koldhara And during a visit in 2014, where he and 30 volunteers spent a night at Koldhara, they experienced the following, quote, At Koldhara, we monitored a lot of such unexplained electromagnetic fields, or EMFs, Mm -hmm. that responded to our communication. We captured disembodied voices, found variations in temperature and static charges. There was one instance when handprints of a child started appearing on all the parked vehicles in front of our eyes. This was also captured and witnessed by many journalists. We believe that these ruins are haunted, end quote. Yeah, those are kind of like the classic signs. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't like the child hands aspect of it. I don't like that. But like the EMF thing kind of makes sense, too, with all the different stone and stuff that is there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and temperatures do vary pretty greatly in desert areas too yep yeah so it's hard to say if it was if they took them like 
inside of the temple where it would be an mm-hmm. enclosed space at right. which point it would be different if there were variations in the temperature oh no i'm not doubting it not doubting it at all i don't know but yeah i agree with you like it'd be it's hard to say not knowing where the emfs were taken right a great number of the villagers who live near koltara firmly believe the village is haunted although a small number feel like something more sinister is at work Some report experiencing terrifying things after dark, while others believe a cache of treasure and riches lie hidden and undiscovered under the ruins of the city. Of course. The Declaration of Independence, the real one, is down there. (laughs) The theory that there should be quote-unquote buried treasure was corroborated to some extent by Kamal Singh Bhatti, a member of the Jaisalmer Development Society which is a non-government organization dedicated to the, cons- the conservation of heritage sites such as Koltara. He is quoted as saying, quote, In 1997, there was a house in Koltara where a Japanese archaeologist team found gold and other expensive items. The government took possession of the items, end quote. It's hard to say. Yeah. I mean... I mean, it would make sense if things were abandoned... And if people mm-hmm. like were rushing out, that stuff would be mm-hmm. left. Kamal went on to give a pretty blasé explanation on the unsolved mystery of what happened to the villagers. Quote, when the Polywal Brahmins settled in Kolhara, lucrative trade consignments from what are now Pakistan and Afghanistan used to pass through Jaisalmer. After Vasco da Gama traced a new sea route to the Indian subcontinent, Trade on the Silk Route declined, affecting the business of the Polywalls. Against this backdrop, the Divan, or the minister of the then ruler of Jaisalmir, wanted to impose steep taxes on the Polywalls, which they were not in a position to pay. Further, the minister wanted to marry a girl from the Polywal community. Since intercaste marriages were not allowed, the Polywal Brahmins asked the minister for a respite of two months during which they connected with community members in and around Jaisalmir and decided to leave the villages. People from all 84 villages left on the night of Rakshabandan and settled in other parts of the country based on their businesses, end quote. So again, yeah, makes sense. It was a mass exodus, but not in the sense that the legends would have you believe. Right. I feel like history very rarely plays out in the way that stories are told. Mm -hmm. According to the culture trip in 2017, the Rajasthan government was talking about restoring the village. I couldn't find if that ever happened, but I did read in the Gulf News article that several Bollywood movies have been filmed in and around the ruins and dunes of Kolkata, which is kind of cool. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why not? It's abandoned. They're just going to say no. Yeah. And additionally, a study from 2017 suggests that it's entirely possible an earthquake hit the area back in the 1820s, which could have caused enough damage to warrant a max exodus from the area, especially if the majority of the wells in the village had already dried up. Yeah. Well, and that would be really scary, too, because if you think about it in, in like the 1800s, even if you're, well, especially if you're in a rural area, how are you supposed to know that that it was just one or mm-hmm. like if there's a, an extreme 
weather event like that. Well, and it could have affected a lot of the wells too. Like it could have been the cause Mm -hmm. of why so many wells failed. Right. By cracking. Because if it's soft stone and there's an earthquake, Mm -hmm. it's just going to crumble. And that's the mysterious village of Koltara and the unsolved mystery of the mass exodus of the Pollywal Brahmins. Well, bummer for them, but it's kind of cool that it still exists. Mm-hmm. And I hope I hope people are still nice to it. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in ad-free content, consider supporting us with a one-time donation either over on Buy Me a Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. If you'd like early ad-free content, not to mention some bonus material, become a member of our Patreon today for as low as a dollar a month. Hi, I'm Ashley, a true crime fanatic. I'm Dan, and I don't know anything about true crime. Together, we host Fuck That, a true crime podcast that covers cases that highlight important topics that are often overlooked, such as wrongful convictions, domestic violence, and social inequities, sprinkled in with the occasional case with spooky themes. If you are looking for your next true crime fix delivered candidly with a hint of sarcasm, you can listen and subscribe to bi-weekly episodes of Fuck That wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to give us a follow on Facebook and Twitter at FThatPod and at FThat underscore pod on Instagram. This week's podcast plug is Fuck That Podcast from the Dark Network. (laughs) Fuck That is a true crime podcast hosted by Ashley, a true crime fanatic, and Dan, who doesn't really know anything about true crime whatsoever. It's a good mix. And we will have a link to their show in the show notes. This is a multi-tiered question from our friend Jim from the Film Rage podcast. Okay. So he wants to know, of these traditional Canadian foods, which ones Mm. have each of us eaten? And do we know what they all are? Okay. I'm going to tell you up front, we do not know what all of these are. Cool. At least I didn't. <laughs> so if you do, congratulations, you are more Canadian than I am. All right, sounds good. First up, ketchup chips. I've had them. Like actual ketchup chips. Yeah, I've had those before. I have, I have had them as well. Mm-hmm. Ancient Canadian, got mm-hmm. it. Yeah, ketchup chips. Yes. Number two. Poutine or poutine. Yes. Very much so. I have also had poutine. I really love a variation that is in Minneapolis, which is like a pot roast version of it. Mm -hmm. You and I have had that before at the same restaurant. We have. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. It's so good. Okay. Number three, Hawkins cheesies. I have heard of these. I have not had them. I'm going to look up what it looks like because I am not familiar. I have not. They're cheese puffs. Yeah. So they're kind of like Cheetos. I have not had these. It's aged cheddar. I think that's the... Mm Mm-hmm. Real aged cheddar cheese. Yeah. (laughs) Ours is usually just cheddar. (laughs) We don't age it. We don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Mm -mm. Number four. Habitant soup. I have not heard of that. I have not either. Oh, it's like a brand of canned soup. 
French Canadian pea soup. It combines peas with vegetables and ham. Yeah, I haven't heard of it because I don't want it. <laughs> it's been made using traditional recipes since 1918, and it's named after the first French settlers in Canada, known as Les Habitants. Good for you. You can keep your peas. Number five, a Caesar. Yes, it's a different version of not, it's not a Bloody Mary. What is it? It's a, or no, it is a variation of the Bloody Mary. Caesar has, uh, it uses clam. Clamato juice? Yeah, Clamato juice. That sounds disgusting. And I had no idea what it was. I don't like Bloody Mary, so that's me. I know about it because of the Great Canadian Bake Off. Mm. What's his name? Schitt's Creek. The younger Levy. Dan Levy? Dan Levy. Yep. It's one of his favorite drinks. And he talked about it on the Bake Off when he hosted it the one year. Number six. Hickory sticks. No. And I have heard I have heard of these and I have had these. Is it like jerky? No. They are skinny hickory smoke flavored potato chips. Oh, they're just, yeah, they're like, what do we call them? Potato sticks? Yeah. Here. Or like picnic. Yes. The picnic sticks. Seven. Coffee crisp. Yes. And I have had it and I like them. It's like if a crunch bar and a Kit Kat had a baby with a coffee flavor. I think I've had this. Mm -hmm. I feel like I had this and it was delightful. Yeah, it's nice. It's easy to eat. It's not too heavy. Mm -hmm. Vanilla wafers and coffee-flavored cream covered in milk chocolate. Mm -hmm. Number eight, Nanaimo Bar. I have heard of them. I have not had them, but the Canadian Bake Off, that was a... I feel like somebody made that. They sound good. I've had them. They're delightful. Yeah. It's just like a jacked-up brownie, right? Like, kind of? Just like a... Nanaimo Bar, it's like a layer bar. Mm-hmm. There's a, wa- a wafer, a nut layer, coconut crumb base, custard icing in the middle, and chocolate ganache on top. That does sound very nice. It's really good. Number nine, butter tarts. I mean, I feel like I've probably had a variation of that here, but I don't know how unique that sounds. I have never had one of these. Oh, yeah. But they look delightful. They do. They look like little mini pecan pies without the pecan. Without the nuts. It's just like a brown brown sugar tart. And number 10 is chalet sauce. I have not heard of that. I do not know what that is. Chalet sauce is a savory sauce, vaguely tomato-based with a ton of herbs and spices in it. Mm. It lays somewhere between gravy and a non-tart sweet and sour sauce because it is heavy on cornstarch and spice. <laughs> According to the takeout.com. I just saw that too. Where the name of the article is Chalet sauce is not good and the world needs to know. <laughs> Sorry, <Shots> Jim. <laughs> fired from the takeout.com. Yeah. That's really Apparently funny. you can buy swiss chalet sauce at walmart so there's that what is something good you'd like to share i am a barista again (laughs) it's a second job 
I'm really excited. I loved being a barista when I was in college and I had the opportunity to do like little four hour shifts every now and then. I talked to this wonderful guy that hired me and he was amenable to doing the four hour shifts. I do that just because I can't have Willie with me when I work technically, Mm -hmm. because it's not food safe. (laughs) So four hours is kind of the limit for Willie before he believes I'm dead on the street somewhere. So I'm really excited. I had my first little like onboarding shift last Friday, and I get to actually start training on Wednesday. So nice. I'm excited. I get to have and I get like discounts on coffee and stuff. It's really great. Nice. So yeah. What about you? So I have had a spate of bad luck befall me Yeah, recently. Yep. A hilarious amount of bad luck. Yeah. Yeah. Like a sitcom level. Yeah, like an absurd amount of bad luck. So I got COVID. Mm-hmm. Two days after I got COVID, I was let go from my job. Late. Well, it was a layoff. Like you, it wasn't yeah, just you. Yeah, it wasn't just me. It was a layoff of, I was one of eight people that were laid off. And Thomas and I's bank account got hacked into last week and almost completely cleared out. So that's been a fun thing that we're dealing with. We still haven't gotten our money back yet. Pretty sweet. But I did get a really cool new bank card. So there's that. (laughs) What else? There's other fun stuff that I don't really feel like going into. But positive thing is that I passed my certification that I had been studying feverishly for. So now, according to the Digital Marketing Institute, and which is an international organization, and the American Marketing Association, I am officially a certified digital marketing professional. Nice. Which is a good thing to have on my resume. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so hopefully that will help me get a new job. On that note, shall we shut her down? We shall. Looking for more content? You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Facebook and Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. On TikTok, of course you are. Follow us at Yield Crime Podcast. A great way to support the show if you want to help out, but you can't do so financially, is to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, Podcast Addict, or Audible. And we are going to have a sale at our Tea Public shop. Ooh. I actually know about it in advance. Nice. You can enjoy 35% off September 28th through the 30th, and you should. If you want a playlist of all our episodes on YouTube, click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog, but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Cramp Word segments. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime.